Welcome to the first podcast hosted by the PwC Leadership, Empowerment, Action and Progression, the LEAP Network. During these podcasts, we'll be delving into the themes of leadership, empowerment, action and progression to take a look at what businesses and individuals need to do to succeed. I'm delighted that today I'm joined by Faye McGuinness, who is the Head of Workplace Wellbeing Programmes at MIND, who will discuss wellbeing and mental health in the workplace and ways that you can start a conversation on this important topic as well as our very own Rob McCargo, our Director of Artificial Intelligence, who will share with us his own experience in this subject. Mind's research shows that one in four people will experience a mental health problem in any given year. But in the workplace especially, it's very common for them to wear a mask, which can allow them to carry on as usual and not be open with colleagues and leaders about their experience. So Faye, I'd like to start by asking you why you think people are scared to take off their mask within the workplace. So we know for our work at Mind that the uh, main reason why people don't want to take off the mask is because of the stigma that still remains around mental health. Um, and we know that the workplace is one of those places where the stigma is still very rife and people are very nervous about talking about their experiences. So what we hear uh, a lot from employees is issues around them not being seen as being good enough at their job. So if they have a mental health problem, that means that they're not quite up to it. Um, they're not as good as their colleagues. They have this fear of not being able to progress within the organisation so we hear time and time again from employees that actually if they admit to having a mental health problem it basically means that they're not going to get to that next level. So what we try and encourage and what we're seeing more and more of which is brilliant is those people in senior leadership roles who have had lived experience of poor mental health really talking about their experiences and really opening up about their own experiences within the workplace but actually how they've also been able to um, develop in their roles and develop into the leadership roles that they're now leading on. So we need to see more encouragement in terms of organisations creating an environment where people feel much more open about talking about their mental health problems. And it all really does start with the environment. If we create an environment where somebody feels able to talk about their mental health, it's going to give them that confidence when they feel able to, to do so. Fantastic, thank you. And Rob, we know at PwC that a number of our people have shared their stories um, in our Green Light to Talk webcasts and web pages. But would you mind just telling us a little bit about your personal story? Sure. Uh, I think uh, several years ago, you can imagine uh, this perfect storm of various factors colliding at the same time. First of all, becoming a new father. Uh, secondly, running a startup under excruciating pressure and stress, not particularly in an area that was fulfilling and uh, as purpose-driven as the work I get to do now. And on top of that, um, having avoided the grieving of my mother's uh, death from motor neurone disease that was several years before that and various other factors coming together at the same time had really uh, locked me into the inertia of quite deep depression and uh, I was quite poorly for quite some time and, and bit by bit uh, you know, being able to take the mask off being able to open up removing the stigma of things that I'd associated negatively like having counseling having coaching moving the the, the, the dial one step at a time, experiencing new work experience and, and just moving forward bit by bit had really given me that confidence to find purpose in my work, put the past in perspective and very much start looking forward. And I think uh, the ability now to, 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 to really talk openly about that learning in a huge workplace like this is something I garner a huge lot of satisfaction from, being able to remove the stigma, share the, 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 the journey uh, and really inspire people to... Uh, put their own mental health uh, first and foremost. And actually, uh, just, 
thinking about it, what was the hardest step that you made actually to recognise that you obviously didn't feel very well and that you needed some help? What did you do? I think there's something, and I don't know if this is a, a, a male trait or I'm sure we'll discuss gender later on in the conversation, but there was something, a particularly excruciating point where it felt like I was failing. I was letting people down. I wasn't fulfilling my potential. I wasn't uh, keeping up with the Joneses. I felt like my colleagues and peers were accelerating away from me. And uh, the, the big F word, I felt I was failing. And to be able to remove that stigma from talking about failure or avoiding talking about failure, more importantly, to be able to accept failure and then openly embrace and love your failures to the point where you realize they're your greatest uh, learning opportunities mm. as well was a really important step for me. So being able to just uh, to, 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 uh, to acknowledge that I had an issue with that, to put it in context and realize that absolutely everyone around you is facing difficulties and problems in their lives really starts making you feel part of a, a community and a group rather than this uh, isolated weirdo on the, on the edge of, of society. And actually, Faye, I mean, if we think about the sort of taking off the mask, how can Rob's story help other people take off their mask? I think the, the comment you made around failure is so important because what we see is this narrative around mental health as it being a negative and it being a failure. And actually we really need to shift that narrative and actually talk about mental health in the more positive and actually recognise that people with mental health problems, it doesn't mean that they can't do their job or they're unable to do the things that other people can't do. And actually that expertise can be really enriching for somebody and it can, it can bring sort of a new dimension to them and the role that they do. So I think actually, you know, hearing Rob's story is an, is an example of somebody who has taken that step and been willing to be open about their experience. And what that enables other people to do is to look at somebody that's succeeding, that's obviously doing well, and actually think that can be me. I should feel comfort and confident from that. And I think, you know, from our experience, you get the best engagement in an organisation if you get that senior level buy-in. So your senior leaders are saying, we're taking this serious. This is something that we really want to work on. But then you have those passionate people that driving it from their own lived experience and those two things together can be really powerful. I think, I think what you picked up on there about leadership is really interesting and uh, we were talking a lot uh, before the uh, the podcast about the impact of things like social media. Susie and I are both very active in this field. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and, I, and if you ha don't follow us on Twitter. And, and if you don't <laughs> follow us on Twitter, the, the, uh, the handle is. Uh, I think the, uh, the and this uh, really sort of sprung from a, a quite a popular LinkedIn post I did at Christmas. I sort of showcased what I felt was a, a year I was especially proud of. It was just so, so sort of satisfying and rewarding. But I took a step back at the end of it. I said, this isn't all kind of some linear, you know, perfection. You know, people might look at people that are perceiving to succeed and think it's just some uh, direct route to, 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 uh, to glory and, and uh, success and wealth and all these things. And it's quite the opposite in many cases. So yeah. it feels to me like uh, uh, people in positions of visibility and leadership or both have an, an extra burden or an extra responsibility or an extra privilege, in fact, to, to openly speak about their own challenges, how they've overcome them and how they make them the people they are today and succeeded in spite or because of those. Yeah, I would completely agree. And you know, when we look at somebody experiencing a mental health problem, it doesn't start and then end. No. Somebody is living with that mental health problem often for, for their whole lives. And actually, I think it's about people understanding that, that it's a journey that people are on. It's a spectrum. And we know that some days you might be feeling unwell, some days you might be feeling well. And so I think it's really important to show that narrative and that story and actually to be able to say that you might have good and bad days. And actually, the 
the senior leadership role is so important in being able to promote that culture because actually we work with organisations who have signed up to the Time to Change pledge, which is a commitment to them to tackle mental health stigma. And actually within those organisations, um, they're sharing stories and senior leaders are actually taking time to record things like podcasts, to do webinars, and actually they're being shown as part of induction. So it really is opening that conversation from the very beginning. And I think creating that culture is just, is just so important. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a journey. It's not a start and a finish. And I think people need to see that journey. And actually, if you think about it, and I have my own personal experience, my middle child has terrible anxiety. And actually, as someone who doesn't suffer anxiety, actually having to understand what that means for him and the journey. And there are days when he's fab, you know, he's got to university and done all those things. But actually, I think what he has that my other two children don't have is a resilience. Yeah. Because actually, when you've had to fight something and, and pull yourself through, you, you've you've used all your emotions and, and, and actually that thing about failing, well, you haven't failed. You've actually proved that you can pull yourself out with the bootstraps and, and succeed. So I think probably the other thing people don't realise is the skills that you get from dealing with something quite difficult, well, whatever spectrum of mental health you're on. Definitely. There's this term that we use, or we don't use at MIND, but people use around resilience to say bouncing back. And actually at MIND, we say it's not about necessarily bouncing back to who you were. It's about learning and what you actually learnt through that process that sort of develops you as a person. So actually you're right, there's a lot of skills that can be learned from having to face that resilience. And there's a lot of techniques people can use to improve their own personal resilience. Because actually when we're talking about the workforce and employment, there is a role of the employer, a very strong role that the employer plays, but also us as individuals to make sure that we're learning those skills um, and keeping ourselves mentally fit as we would physically fit. Yeah, and I, I think for every uh, employee of an organisation, you also have the obligation and are empowered to check that the people around you are okay, uh, and also try and work out if then if they don't look if they look unhappy, what do we do about it and how do we help them? So how do we? I, again, I, I like your expression. How do you take off the mask? And that's both for the people who aren't feeling well and for those that think everything is rosy. Completely. So, so it's a balance there. If, it feels to me like, it, it, in particular, the last say two, three years, the whole conversations moved on leaps and bounds though doesn't it I think uh, it felt like the only way to succeed in in the previous generation was to be bulletproof and yeah. macho and uh, you know resilient but in the you know it's like more assertive way almost like show attach no, the mask exactly show no weakness uh, and that seems to be generally flipping around the other way now and sort of be proudly displaying their, their their foibles and frailties for the world to see seems to bestow a degree of, uh, uh, of uh, influence and creation of followership that I think people buy into because it's more authentic and I think uh, I've been particularly proud of the work we've done around just uh, destigmatizing the whole thing not just doing that but celebrating it yeah. uh, and actually we're made up of a unique blend of unusual people yes. there's not one <laughs> cookie cutted uh, type of yeah. robot automaton here it's uh, it, it, it's uh, it's a really interesting fabric of humanity and I think that's uh, a competitive advantage for companies as well and I think equally, actually, what we're seeing is how do we give our children, you know, going one stage, children resilient, because looking at children in schools, your bit about social media, you know, all they ever look on is Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat are lovely pictures of people. They don't see them crying or, or you know, they all seem to be out having fun. So, so again, I think as employers, we have an obligation to help our staff, help everybody who 
is coming up in the generations. Completely. And I think, you know, social media plays such an important part in all of this in po mo both a positive and a negative way. Um, and I think, you know, the great thing about social media is that connection, it brings people together and connection is so important for mental health. Um, but, you know, on the other side of that is the kind of negative things that social media brings in terms of people seeing that perfect life. And actually that's not realistic and that has a huge impact on people. But I think young people are so important. And one of the things that we've been thinking about in mind is, What's our next generation of people coming into workplaces like PwC? You know, and how do we support those young people to make sure that they are building those skills around their resilience? They understand what it actually means to come into a workplace and to think about what organisations are providing to those sort of new people coming into their workplace from the very beginning so that actually mental health at work is a priority from them from the moment they start. Because quite often they come from just having done exams, which is an extremely stressful period, many young people are coming into the workplace with mental health problems and actually we need to make sure that we make sh that that transition is as smooth as it can be and that we provide the right support around that. No. And I think one of the other challenges is, as we think the world is moving towards automation, flexible working, artificial intelligence, they're all positive but create challenges. And it'd be interesting to know your thoughts on the impact of for those on, on mental health and the, and the employees. Technology offers a huge number of opportunities for us to make the workplace fairer, more consistent, cleaner, greener, improve society at large. But it also does pose a number of risks. And uh, I think, first of all, one of the uh, issues of technology advancing is that uh, increasingly we can see our workforces more distributed, more remote, and that can bring it a risk of making them more isolated and lonely. I think on top of that, the technology becomes ever more smarter it starts to really uh, pose some big questions about how we operate, the, the fabric of how we interact with each other as, uh, as a civilization. So the, the, the timing is still uh, on our favor. We, we've got the opportunity to shape this so it's in our interests. Uh, but if we just leave this to advance, then there is a risk that it can uh, isolate us even further. And I would just add in terms of thinking about those developments in technology, which are really positive, that you know we have to remember that there's people alongside that technology. Um, and I think the positives with it is that it ena enables people to come together and build that community much more easier because people are dispersed and away from each other. Um, but we just have to be mindful that you know social media technology allows us to be switched on 24 hours a day. And I know that happens in many, many workplaces. Um, so an example of something that we do at Mind to try and stop that is that we have a rule where people don't send emails between 8 and 8, um, 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. And, you know, I can't sit here and say that nobody does write emails during that time, but I certainly don't receive emails. So actually, I don't feel that pressure to respond. And that's really, really good for my well-being. So there are really small things that people can do to try and implement to sort of work with people to ensure that we're not too effective negatively in terms of all of these developments around technology. And I think we've been uh, cognizant of the fact that, again, our people are online far too much and uh, sometimes it's hard to entirely detox from this technology but we we have had some success with what we call digital dieting over the, the big holiday periods uh, we've tried to have leaders uh, talking about how they're going off grid or limiting their time online to try to talk through the benefits they have and talk about how they feel when they return and uh, hopefully that does uh, showcase and champion how it's appropriate to to lessen your dependency on this technology fantastic um, and as we draw this, sadly, this podcast to a close, I just wondered if you could both give us a tip for both employers and employees on how to be more honest on this topic of mental health. 
Uh, so for me, my recommendation for the employers um, is to review the mental health core standards that are set out in a review called Thriving at Work, which was commissioned by the Prime Minister in 2017. So within that re review, there are six core standards that all employers, it doesn't matter what size organisation or what sector, should be implementing as a bare minimum. So my recommendation is to review the Thriving at Work report and implement those six core standards. And I think em employers, my advice would be to uh, recruit your most senior people to this initiative, to uh, encourage them to be open, to talk openly about their own lived experiences. And I think that does cascade down very powerfully throughout the fabric of an organisation. And for individuals, look out for the people next to you, ask them the question, are they okay? And I'd always suggest when you ask if they're okay, ask them twice. Faye and Rob, I'd like to thank you both for joining me to talk about this topic. We could have spoken for a couple of hours. I personally have really enjoyed this conversation and found it really interesting and hope that we've provided some ideas that people can take forward. If you'd like to find out more about Minds Work, please visit their website. Or if you'd like to join our Leap Network, please join that too. Thank you. Mm -hmm.